Well, good morning. Well, it's not morning. That's the problem. It's afternoon. <laughs> but it feels like morning still. This is PFG Live, coming to you from southern New Hampshire. And welcome aboard. Mr. Blodgett, welcome aboard. You were first in and fast. Chris, welcome aboard. Jeff and Wes, welcome aboard. This thing is on, Wes. <laughs> so uh, I hope everybody is doing great. Thanks for showing up. Uh, had a kind of a busy week in the shop. Busy week all around, actually. And uh, I'm happy to be here. So how are you guys doing today? What's new with you? Let's get some uh, let's get some weather and location reports here so we know what's going on in the world. Here in uh, southern New Hampshire, it is partly cloudy with a temperature of 33 degrees. And uh, yesterday was unbelievable. It was it was 50 degrees and this there was not a cloud in the sky. It was gorgeous. Hey, Adam's here. Welcome aboard, sir. MHM Machine Works. Glad you could make it live. I, th I, I think you've only made it live one, one other time. Hey, Carl's here. Welcome, Carl. Welcome. So uh, yesterday was gorgeous weather. I got to doing the most New Hampshire neighborly thing. Uh, my my uh, neighbor came over to, to uh, drop off some eggs. <laughs> what do you do in New Hampshire? And uh, and then we just got to chatting. And after a while, it just sounded like a caricature of uh, of two New Hampshire guys standing around looking at the weather. Hey, Paul, welcome. Nice to see you. So uh, it's been a really great week. Um, a lot of uh, client work on the consulting side, but I did get shop time and. Uh, I finally attacked a project that has been hanging around uh, for a very long time. And uh, a friend who I met through, um, through the Instagram, his name is Brian, he approached me, it's got to be a year ago, might even be more, uh, with a project. And, and that's sort of the main topic for today. Jeff says it's 27 Fahrenheit and snowing in Seward, Alaska. I've been there, sir. Uh, I think we had this conversation. I, I enjoy your neighborhood. Started the day off with a nice 5.4 earthquake centered about 100 miles southeast. <laughs> That's a way to get out of bed. So did that wake you up? 5.4, you know, around here we call that Thursday. Uh Let's see, Kevin says, yesterday was similarly unbelievably nice, 65 and sunny, and today is back to clouds and 40s. Yeah, we dropped to um, below freezing overnight, but we have a whole string of warm weather coming, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about this uh, titanium project, which was my first time ever touching a tool to titanium and I was a little concerned but I have existence proofs that other people do it so I wasn't I wasn't too scared uh, but I learned a lot of things as a as a noob uh, Jeff says it was 100 miles southwest of Seward 
and it was, you were eating breakfast when it hit. Did it did it uh, vibrate your orange juice? That's what I want to know. Um, Henry, welcome aboard, sir. Uh, from across the pond, everybody starts speaking in centigrade now. Um, when I was in Alaska, and I don't remember if it was in Seward, it might have been. The, the people were just magnificent, and we were taking, we were camping and uh, cruising, and we took a day to go fishing. And I just got to chatting with a guy uh, about where to go fishing, and he he gave me a couple of uh, ideas. And then he reaches into his truck and he pulls out a bunch of uh, of night crawlers and he says, "Here you go. You'll need these." Wasn't that nice? Um, yeah, super people. Kevin says, thank you for the soundtrack on the Insta post. The song has been in my head since. Yeah, I always try to find a good little uh, a good little ditty. Chris says, 32F and cloudy here in south central Pennsylvania. Awesome. Henry says, it's 15C and raining. Well, you got to do what you got to do. Jeff says it made the, sil- the the earthquake he just had, which was a 5.4, made the silverware rattle on the table. Okay, it's real. It's really there. I will uh, actually. I have an app for earthquakes. Let's see if we could spot Jeff's earthquake on the app, um, because we really, you know, need to know. Let's see. Where's my earthquake? Well, we may have to get back. Oh, here it is. Here's my earthquake app. Leonardo says it's 10 to 12 C in London with no rain. Welcome aboard, London. Here we go. Kenai Peninsula. It's showing. Let's see if I can show you that on on the camera. There it is. <laughs> hey, Jeff, I think this message is for you. It says, enjoying earthquake? Tap a star to rate it on the Apple Store. Jeff, how would you rate your earthquake today? Because I'll I'll give uh, Apple some feedback here. So we had uh, we had a reading in Anchor Point, Alaska, and in Southern Alaska. Both of those read as the Kenai Peninsula, which is where we were camping. So I think... Uh, we were right in your backyard many, many moons ago. 5.4. It is not marked as preliminary. Sometimes they mark it as preliminary. So you made you made the uh, you made the charts, man. Chris says, Did you get a new camera? You look a lot more clear. No, it's the T. I I put the uh, laser shark on my T and I've been clearer ever since. Laser sharks. They're not just for breakfast anymore. Not that it's a good thing, Chris says. Thanks, bud. I appreciate you. And you know where the laser shark goes. Okay. Am I getting clearer with more more caffeine? I feel clearer. Well, it's uh, 107, 1307 East Coast time, and uh, the only coast that matters. And now let's get underway. It was a nice, gentle shake. Yeah, um... I would add some chocolate syrup and uh, make it a gentle chocolate shake. We've had uh, very few earthquakes in this area, but we have had them. 
And that's when I got the earthquake app so I could track those sort of things. Anyway, uh, welcome aboard. It's PFG Live. This uh, show is brought to you by uh, uh, mostly insanity and uh, the inability to stay uh, away from projects. So a gentleman named Brian approached me uh, a, a year ago, might even be more, and said, can you help me out? He, he contacted me on Instagram and he said, can you help me out? I have a bar of titanium and I'm trying to cut it. And I'm having trouble because I have small tools. Uh, so I asked him what kind of tools he has and he was using um, effectively a Sherline lathe and a sure I think he had a Sherline mill. And that kind of hit me right in the feels because my first machine tools were a pair of Sherlines. And uh, so I said, I, absolutely, I'll help you. So we we met uh, out on the street somewhere <laughs> so he could hand me some contraband. And uh, it was a, uh, a one foot long, I think it was a foot long, I measured it, uh, two inch diameter titanium rod. So he had a project that he wanted to do um, I don't even know exactly what the project was, but you know, he had a project he wanted to do in titanium, probably had to do with some, uh, uh, color anodizing of titanium, which is a lot of fun, which by the way is, was early in Mr. John Grimsmo's start was, was color anodizing. It still is right. Titanium, but now he's an expert. So I took, uh, I took the bar home and I did the only correct thing. I let it sit on the bench for, for weeks. And finally we attacked it with the bandsaw and I, it started cutting and I'm like, what is the problem? It's cutting. It's fine. I turn around, I go do something else. I come back. It's still in the same place cutting. So it, it did not make much progress. I think I killed the, 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 the blade at that point. And it wasn't um, it wasn't going super fast. In fact, I leave my horizontal bandsaw on the lowest speed. There's no reason for it to be higher. And I don't quite remember. It's either 200 or 325 um, inches per minute or feet per minute. Sorry, um, but it's also not carbide. Ah, good morning, Warren. Hello and good afternoon. Yes, uh, welcome aboard. Warren is a, a neighbor, so I know what Warren's uh, weather is. Well, actually, that's not true. Sometimes uh, during the big storm uh, last week, we got 14 inches of snow. And I think, Warren, you got less in that one. But the previous one, Warren got just clobbered, uh, and we didn't get quite as much. Uh, we're just melting that snow, <laughs> Warren. So anyway... Um, we went to attack this uh, this titanium. Here's here's the spoiler. If you're watching the video, there's the disc. It's a two inch disc. So uh, we talked about it, and I said, you know what? I'm going to get a cutoff tool, and I will do this on my Haas TL1 lathe. Oh, Warren got 20 inches. Okay, so I got 14 on that one, and you got 20. Interesting. Warren's north of me, by the way, for about 20 minutes. So, um, after a very strong executive decision, well-considered, thought through, documented, written down to get a proper cutoff tool for the Haas TL1 lathe so I can do the titanium, uh, 
I did nothing for several months. Well, I was doing everything else for several months. And finally, I said, no, we have to attack this. So you may recall, I told you my tales of woe of trying to buy this cutoff tool. I ended up, uh, first I asked for help and, um, I got a lot of good, in fact, let me grab, I have a little paper pile here. Yeah, here it is. I, I asked for help on Instagram and I got some good recommendations and I started printing out stuff and making notes and highlighting things. And if you're watching the video, you see there's my, there's my piece of paper. Okay. And, uh, a couple of people recommended the Iskar, um, Let's see, the first person to do it was St. John Goldfingal. Um, Iskar Tang Tool in specific holder. Cut is a little wider, around 3 millimeters, but I think for larger bars, that is necessary. I use this, bars, uh, this bar from 25 to 42 millimeters. Well, he, that was the first comment in, and in, in fact, that's the way I went. Uh, my good friend Robin Renzetti said, uh, a Corloy Sawman parting blade another parting blade with another good insert in a custom Alora's holder. I would expect nothing less, Robin. Um, and then we had a couple of other, uh, other options. So my local tool supply took my order and uh, it took a while to get in. Henry says, I have to machine 20 pulleys out of D2 next week. Not, not too bad to machine, but also not my favorite. Yeah, it's probably a little chewy, isn't it? Uh, are you going to, are you going to work, uh, heat treat the D2? I assume you are. Otherwise, why make it out of D2? Um, interesting to know. So we placed the order with industrial tool supply down in Lowell for the Iskar kit, uh, for this tool holder and inserts and tool, uh, insertion tool. And also the Dorian tool holder. So I have a Dorian V uh, V35TC, which is through coolant tool post on the Haas TL1 lathe. And I was all gung ho about the through coolant stuff, and you know, using the uh, coolant feature. It turns out I never really did. I played with it, but I've been sticking with keeping the capability just in case. So <laughs> the Iskar order came in like 20 minutes. It was unbelievable. So I got the box from Iskar. Everything looked great. I was very excited. The first delivery, that's a hint. The first delivery came from uh, Dorian and it was just a chunk of metal. Um, <laughs> it was, it, it turned out it was the clamp that you will see in my video and some of the photos, uh, but not the rest of the tool holder. And that was just an error. So they blue labeled out uh, a replacement. I get, I get my doorbell ringing at, it had to be 8.30 at night, and it was the UPS guy with my blue label delivery of the rest of my Dorian order. So all was well with the world. And I proceeded to, uh, to get this going. Now, I will be dropping a video today on YouTube about this experience, and it's got all the gory details. Um, but suffice it to say, as Jimmy DeResta said, you go to school on the first one. Uh, and, and I did. So I went ahead and tested the tool holder and the new parting blade 
on some A2, um, no, I take it back, on 4142 pre-hard steel, uh, Rockwell C22. So basically a lightly hardened uh, steel. And it was beautiful. It worked great. And I just pulled the, um, the information right off the package. Let's see if I have a picture of that. Uh, I don't have one handy. Um, but I went ahead and, and uh, hit it at 300 surface feet per minute and four thousandths uh, cut per rev in 4142 pre-hard. Cut like a dream. It was beautiful. Then I chucked up the titanium. Oops, sorry. Thank you. Uh, I chucked up the titanium, and it turned out that um, there are different parameters for titanium. <laughs> and guess who did not go searching for those different titanium parameters? So I went ahead and I did the first cut. And I, I have for show and tell. This is a, uh, does this make for good radio? This is a bag of one ribbon of titanium. There were no chips breaking here. Yeah, Warren says, sometimes you have continuing education on the second and third one too. It's true. Uh, mine is still continuing. So anyway, this was the first results. There's, there it is, 4,000 per rev, 300 surface feet per minute in titanium, one continuous ribbon. But you know what? It cut beautifully. So what happens when, when you have one of those occurrences? You, you say, oh, now I have speeds and feeds. <laughs> no, you don't. So I went ahead and said, well, I'm not breaking a chip. So I'm going to increase my feed a little and I'm going to increase my speed a little and I'm going to try to get the chip to break. So you guys that do titanium all the time are already laughing, right? Well, I went ahead and uh, made about a quarter inch cut and the world ended, right? The, the insert exploded, the uh, blade hit the work, and I hit the button. Um, <laughs> so I broke the tool. Now that led to a very good thing, right? First of all, my philosophy is the only way the only road to success is paved with failure. You have to fail. You have to do something wrong. Uh, we, we briefly talked at one point about feedback loops. Feedback loops work because of negative feedback. If, if nothing, if there's no error signal, you can't have a good result. So I got my error signal. So what I did is I called up Iskar. So uh, in case you're wondering, the, um, the tool I used is a... Uh, uh, T-A-G-N-3-C-I-C-808. That's the, the insert, okay? That's uh, Tango Alpha Golf, November 3, Charlie, uh, India, Charlie, 808. Um, so I called up Iskar. I got on the web, and I found out that Iskar America is in Texas. So I call the Texas number, and I get a guy who I determine rather quickly is, in fact, in Texas. And he was really cool. His name was Tony, Tony Green. 
and we talked a little bit and and I told him what I did. I said, yeah, we're going 300 feet per minute. And he said something like, I don't remember the exact words. I wish I recorded it. He said something like, you sure gave it the beans. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I did. So uh, it turns out for titanium, the recommended uh, speed is is 100 to 195 surface, surface feet per minute. Then all you titanium guys are nodding your head up and down. It's like, yeah, that's obvious. Um, so we went ahead and uh, and started making for improvements. But let me show you the guys that are watching on video. Here's some pictures. This will all be in the in the YouTube video that I dropped today, so uh, you'll be able to see it there. There's there's the result after 20 cuts. Um, it, it, I don't think Sleeping Saloon asks, uh, is it titanium alloy or pure? One of the problems is. I'm not sure, okay? Remember, we have a hobby machinist handing me a bar. There, There's a marking on the bar, but you know how you get the dot the dot matrix uh, printing on the side of the bar, and if you don't get the right section, you don't get the material. That's what happened. So I really don't know. So I'm going to guess that it's an alloy. Hugh Janice says, the more beans, the better. You are correct, sir. Uh, so... We started learning some things, and Tony at Iskar, I hope he hears this because I think he was awesome, uh, really put things in perspective. He said, look, for the material, you have to slow down, okay? So this this 100 to 195 surface feet per minute is, is all about the material. The four thousandths um, depth of cut is all about the edge treatment and the chip breaker. So he says your four thousandths is fine, which is almost exactly at the bottom of the range for the tool uh, as, as written on the package. So I said, okay, I'm going to go 110. He says, that's, a, that's a, good, a good place to start. He also said, absolutely be using coolant. Coolant is very important. So I was throughout the whole process. And he said, make sure if you have a, an RPM limit on your machine. So I'm sleeping saloon says if it's pure, I'd think it would cut like butter. So I agree. I bet it's an alloy. Yep. Uh, we're in, we're in violent agreement, uh, agreement, sleeping saloon. Um, so he says, make sure that the RPM limit is high enough. So I was using my three jaw chuck. You'll see it in the video. That thing can go the full speed of the lathe, which is unfortunately 2,000 RPM. So I raised my RPM limit to 2,000 RPM. And uh, we went 110 surface feet per minute. And we made our first cut. Um, and it was successful. I'll, I'll explain a couple of details in a second. The other thing he said was very interesting. He says, we want to see the tool on center anywhere from zero on center to 3% of the width higher than on center. And I found that very interesting. And when I thought about it, I I think that is a, an attempt. Well, first of all, they don't want you going below center. And I think they're, they're giving you some allowance for the tool flexure, uh, which kind of makes sense why it would be proportional to the width of the uh, of the tool, which of course is proportional to the the width of the blade, the supporting blade. 
So we got that sorted out, and uh, we went ahead and uh, and gave it the beans at 110 surface feet per minute, and it cut. Now it didn't. It, it left a surface. I was evaluating, you know, the surface of the uh, of the cut, and I didn't quite like it. It wasn't. It wasn't giving me a warm, fuzzy feeling. So I I elected to increase, <laughs> right? Natural. Just like uh, like Hugh says, the more beans, the better. I wanted to go from 110 uh, to 120 surface feet per minute. I took the second cut, and you know what? It looked beautiful. So I said, there it is. 110 surface feet per minute, 4 thousandth per rev. We were good to go. So we started cutting. Um, on the 18th... No, on the 19th and the 20th part, I started hearing something going on. The parts looked good. Nothing dramatic happened. But I heard something right at the end that didn't sound good to me. And in the picture, if you're watching the video, in the picture I've put up on the screen, you see the chip in the insert. So it went it went 18 parts before it, it finally you know, had some damage. And then it kept, I mean, it was still cutting, um, but I'm glad I heard it and went ahead and, uh, and, and figured that out. So here's a, here's a few more photos uh, of the chip. There's a, there's a, there's a good close-up. So if you're watching the video, I, I went to the microscope. By the way, if you don't have a microscope, uh, at least get a very good loop, uh, high magnification loop. You know, John Grimsmo uh, talks about getting shop microscopes, and he's absolutely right. It'll it'll change your world being able to look in detail at those cutting edges. So uh, here's the story. The the incision. I'll, I'll leave the detail analysis here for the for the video. Not that there was a lot of detailed analysis, but the the plating. Uh, the surface treatment that was on the insert was wear, uh, worn off. We had a heavy chip on the left front corner, very light chip on the right front corner, um, and basically it was at end of life. Now, another thing that um, that Tony from Iskar told me, he said, if you came to us and you were just going to be doing titanium, I would be giving you a different tool. He says there's a better there's a better chip breaker profile for titanium, and we would have a, a, a better tool. He said, however, the tool you have will do it, and it's a it's a very good general purpose tool, which is not a surprise because it came in the kit. Um, so he he said if you get it worked out, just keep using it, and if you if you're doing titanium all the time, call him back and he'll give me a specific recommendation. Sleeping Saloon says a surplus, um, a surplus auction stereoscope is fantastic for shop use. I 100% agree. I have um, a a stereoscope. It's called a dissecting scope on a boom arm. It's a Nikon. I don't have the number in front of me, um, and it was a fantastic investment. Now my original, my original. Uh, impetus for getting the microscope had to do with electronics. It had nothing to do with um, the shop, but I'm constantly bringing stuff up to put under the microscope 
and and look at. Here here's some uh, pictures of the brand new insert, uh, and you can see the the number eight oh eight, which is part of its uh, part of its nomenclature. Uh, there's what it looks like when it's brand new. So there's your chip breaker, um, and that is the general purpose one. That's the the leading edge, the nose. And the special shape of this F-shaped insert, which is pretty cool, and you could tell by the uh, by the corners and the radii that it's a molded part. So it's molded, and then uh, I think it's given a little bit of of uh, grinding. So that was a story. I got through twenty parts. Um, I have to talk to Brian and see if he wants me to keep going. I think the answer is going to be yes, but now I don't mind putting another insert in and just finishing that job off, and then we can um, cross this bridge again later. I don't think it makes any sense for me to go seeking a specialized insert for two reasons. Number one, it's not repeat a repeat job. Uh, number two, I think uh, we don't know what kind of titanium it is. So if it ever comes in again, I will go back to Iskar and say, give me something specific. But general, uh, generally, it was a, a spectacular experience. Uh, we got the job done. We made the parts, and uh, and they look good. Again, if you're looking, if you're watching on the video, you can see there's there's a little bit of. It's not perfect. I don't like some of what I'm seeing here. It looks it looks a little rubby. Um, the side of the blade uh, holder was showed signs of being rubbed a little bit haven't figured that out yet henry says i have been testing new inserts this week uh 1360 feet per minute and 0.12 inches per minute holy cow it was a bit scary and my lathe was barely doing it the 25 kilowatt spindle was at 160 percent load dude that's high i don't 160 percent even if it's metric, is 160%. So uh, use caution, sir. That's pretty amazing. So I have to brag a little bit uh, about Haas's TL1. Now, my TL1 is a 2008, not the latest one, although I don't think they've changed the, the, the main guts of it too terribly much. The thing is, unbelievably stiff it is a stout stiff machine and i can literally dial tenths in on this machine and it will do it if i do my job it will do its job so the tl1 didn't break a sweat on any of this stuff it was a, it was a non-issue and and i've done some heavier stuff not as heavy as henry's 160 uh, percent load oh he corrects himself uh 12 thousandths uh inches per IPM, inches per minute. I think you mean inches per rev, but it's okay. It, hundred, You had me at 160%. <laughs> anyway, so the TL1 was just awesome. Uh, couldn't be happier with the TL1. Uh, couldn't be happier with the Dorian tool holders in general. They've been spectacular. Um, and I did hear the word discontinued in, in one of my conversations with Dorian, and I wasn't sure if they meant the tool holder or the V35TC in general. Uh, by the way, the V35 
the V35TC is the same as a CXA in, uh, in a Loris. Just so you know what, I think more of you will know what a, a, an Alorus size is. Um, so I think that's pretty much the story about my, uh, my titanium uh, tutelage and how titanium taught me some lessons this week. It was, um, it was pretty exciting. I, I really enjoyed learning something new. Like I said, it was, I think it was the very first time. No, I, I might've touched a tool on the mill to titanium once just cause I bought some drops, but I didn't really do anything. So this was the first, certainly the first time on the lathe. It was the first time, uh, parting off two inches on the lathe. Um, and uh, we learned a whole bunch. So watch for the video. It'll be dropping uh, tonight for sure because it's 90% uh, edited. I just have to, a few more tweaks to do and uh, it'll, be, it'll be out. So uh, this has led me to codify Webb's Law of Cutting Tools, which is you must break one to know one. Um. <laughs> Henry says, I'm not familiar with the Imperial stuff. It's okay. We'll teach you. Um, we, we go both ways. We do, we do metrics. We do the Imperials. Whatever it takes. And the corollary to uh, Webb's law of, of uh, cutting tools is by three. <laughs> three is the magic number. Not two. Yay. Needlessly four. But three. Why? Because you're going to break the first one. You're going to use the second one, and then number three being a spare, the second one will never break, but you will wear it out. I have a cabinet on the wall in the shop, which is uh, drills, and anytime I need a, to buy a drill, uh, I buy three of them, and I drop two of them into the, um, into the drawer, and that's my rule. If you break one, you have to buy two but on your initial purchase, always buy three. Sleeping Saloon asks, have you tried the angled parting tool inserts? The idea is they leave a nub on the drop, not the keep. Oh, that's a really good question. So frequently you can buy cutting, uh, cutoff tools with, <laughs> yes, MS Live correctly points out that breaking the tool is testing to failure. Absolutely. And if you don't fail, you can't succeed. So you could buy uh, parting tools with a neutral nose that's basically dead parallel to the rotation or an angled nose so it'll leave the nub on one side or the other. I don't buy anything except the neutral ones. If I feel a strong need to, to do that, my habit has always been I'll make one. Right, I'll, I'll go over to the grinder and I'll do what I have to do. Of course, if you're in a CNC machining environment, that's not good practice. So you would go over to a, a left or a right hand. Um. Sleeping Saloon says, I've had mixed results. I think the angled inserts work best on hollow parts. True. <laughs> Absolutely. So did you, hear, did you hear me say I don't buy the angled tools? I'll fix it in post. <laughs> when we when I put the podcast up, I'll fix that. Or I won't. Maybe I won't. Uh, trust me, I won't do this anytime soon again. Um, anyway, so 
it's an interesting difference between whether you're doing something as lab work, you know, prototype, or or you're doing CNC production. Because if you're doing CNC production, you have to buy a tool, right? Because you're not going to be modifying every tool. Whereas, um, yeah, okay. K-Bank, I think you're agreeing only by neutral. Uh, but if you're in CNC production, you do what you got to do. But yeah, I, I buy neutral, modify as needed. So um, let's see. Any questions from you guys? What's going on in your worlds? While you're thinking about that, I'll just finish the, the thought, which was that especially with um, <laughs> MHM Machine Works says, it looks like it's time for a 3D printed cover for the mute button. Sir, you are brilliant, and I think we're on it. Uh, there's enough features here to uh, make that happen. Um, the number of variables in choosing one of these uh, insert uh, tools is unbelievable. Okay, you have you have the so-called uh, system, right? So for you got different manufacturers have their different systems. Uh, you have the different chip breaker designs the different edge treatments, the different coatings, and of course you have the different, you know, the widths. You have to choose which width. Uh, I pretty quickly got steered to the three millimeter class, but the number of combinations and permutations is just unbelievable. Um, similarly, how many different materials are there? So having a good tooling guy is critical. Now, uh, Iskar came through, right? When I called Iskar, and it wasn't even difficult. It was like hit one for blah, I hit one for customer service, and bang, I got an expert. And he really knew what he was talking about. But when I went to buy the tool, I don't have a sales guy locally. I mean, we have... Uh, we have industrial tool supply, but really, they're really good at getting stuff and selling you stuff, but they don't know what the stuff is. Um, and I am in search of somebody who is a tooling expert. Uh, about 12, 13, 14 years ago, about 14 years ago, I had a guy who, he was retired from being a tool salesman, but he was so helpful. He came over, he brought me catalogs, and here's the rest of the story. Adam, you brought you bought your grinder from him, <laughs> and which is why I knew him. And he was the nicest guy and an absolute encyclopedia. I want to meet one of those guys locally again. So uh, let's see what else is going on here. I don't have uh, I don't have any super super whoopy stories for you. I got a, ni a nice um, a nice uh, message. Let's see. I'll I'll share this with you. Um, one of, one of our, um, Instagram machinists, you all know him, Bart Harkema, uh, is got a new, a new sticker board starting up and he's looking for stickers. So we will be exchanging stickers. I, he sent me his address and I will be sending him a sticker pack. And if any of you guys, uh, have stickers that aren't on my board, I'll move this way, uh, 
send them along, and I will reciprocate with a sticker pack. Um, Jeff says, for those folks who lack flood coolant, I found Anchor Lube to work pretty well with the 6AL4V titanium that I turned. Yeah, that sounds, I mean, for the same reason it's good on stainless, uh, I would imagine it would do a good job on um, on titanium. Uh, Anchor Lube is uh, a product that stands in Kowski of Bar Z Industrial uh, brought to our attention. And I have some, I bought some from them. Uh, it is a water-based, I think it's, it's almost a soap-based um, material. And the thing that's really great about it, I use it for drilling, uh, is it won't smoke up the shop if you're drilling something difficult and you would normally reach for the dark brown uh, cutting oil. Um, that's, I like that about it, and it does a good job. And uh, Sleeping Saloon says, I wish Anchor didn't get dry and crusty. That is true. If you use Anchor Lube, use it and wipe it off because it does dry out. The water goes away and it leaves a crusty, soapy, chunky film. So that is absolutely true. But it does a good job and it doesn't make a bunch of uh, really stinky brown cutting oil smoke. And I like that about it. So... Um, there you go. So it's 43 minutes after the hour. Uh, you'll have a new video drop this evening. Oh, I was going to say, Stan uh, Zinkowski posted a video, uh, I think two weeks ago, indicating that he had suffered an injury. Um, and if any of you guys have, uh, you know, Stan's uh, contact information, I urge you to just send him some kind words. And I hope he's healing up. I, I haven't um, talked to him, but I'm a little concerned. Uh, he hurt his hand. And that's, for a guy that works with his hands, that's not good. So send a little uh, send a little love to Stan Zinkowski and let's make sure that he's healing up fast. Uh, K-Bonk says he's setting up a little 80-20 router for a dedicated product line. Fingers crossed. Hey, that's exciting. Is it the product line that I previously talked to you about? Because I think that's neat. Uh, Warren says, I like Anchor Lube for annular cutters. However, it does not do well in the service truck after freezing weather hits. That's a good point because of the uh, the water base. So yeah, for annular cutters, absolutely. That's kind of what Stan was doing with them in electrical boxes and such. Yeah, Kevin, uh, you saw the x-ray also that he posted and it did look pretty rough i'm i'm a little uh, concerned for him so stan we're thinking about you i don't know if you're watching but heal up and we will send chicken soup uh your way as needed um so what other what other projects are in the works uh folks because I really need to know. Uh, PFG stones are going great. Uh, the batch, I set, I posted a picture of round stones. They will be done by the end of this weekend. And in stock, we got a little behind on round stones. Um, not, not behind on any orders, but my spreadsheet was mad at me. Um, K-Bonk says another product. Ah, okay, for same sprinter. Okay, cool. 
Well, keep keep up the good fight on uh, making new stuff, K-Bonk. That sounds really neat. Um, I am going to take some homework here. One of the pieces of homework I'm going to take is the <laughs> 3D printed mute button cover. Because, uh, you know, you learn you have to fail to succeed, right? Isn't that what we just covered? Um, we will take care of that. Um, and I'm going to finish up this week. I will communicate with my uh, titanium guy and we'll get that product uh, project done and out the door. Um, later this week in PFG Stone Land, we'll be putting up uh, four-inch regular stones and four-inch minis have to go into production. The uh, spreadsheet is similarly yelling at me. So if you don't have uh, almost machining, welcome aboard, sir. You're late. <laughs> He's working on a grinder restore, a mill restore, and night shift coming soon. Wow. Well, keep up the good work, sir. I, I appreciate your, your posts and your uh, messages. Warren says he used his round stones today. They work the treat on machine tables. Yes. That's where I like to... People always ask me, what should I get? You know, which which stones should I buy? And I, I tell them, if you're doing constantly preparing a big table, the round stones are absolutely the best thing. They're not as versatile because you don't have the straight lines, but... Uh, if you're doing big flat surfaces, that they're, they're the best. Well, excellent. I'm glad you uh, are getting good use out of yours. So we'll have some both flavors. We'll have aluminum oxide and silicon carbide. Um, major faces are all ground. I just have to finish them up, and they'll be in stock and ready to go. Um, anybody, anybody care to guess what the most popular size of PFG stones is? We'll have a little a little guessing game here. Um, it may not be a surprise, or it may be a surprise. I'm not sure. Warren says he's building a lightweight bearing support for the Climax portable boring bar. Picks to come soon to Instagram. Neato. Adam, MHM Machine Works, says he's keeping the lathe fed. Uh, that means you're making money, buddy. And that's awesome. Keep feeding the lathe. You need a robot. <laughs> K-Bonk says four inch. I, I assume you mean four inch rectangular. Excellent guess. I will give you the correct answer when some more comes in. Warren Jones says four inch. Kevin says four inch mini. Interesting. By the way, fun fact, four inch mini was instantiated uh, as an idea from uh, Aaron Walla of Walla Tool, who we've had on as a guest. Um, MHM Machine Works says six inch. Excellent guess. Uh, by the way, the the interest in balancing rings has started really ramping up, as has the beating on my head to get the balancing stand done. That message is not lost on me. We'll wait for one more guess, and then I'm going to give you the answer. And the winner gets a cheeseburger. <laughs> anybody else? You want to, anybody else want to make a guess? I suppose we have about 25 seconds of lag here, so I will apologize if you got your guess in after I tell you the answer. 
But I'm going to give you the answer. The answer is the number one most popular PFG stone size is... <laughs> K-Bonk says 12 inches if you made them. Well, the 8 inches, I make 8-inch PFG stones, and I will start by telling you that it is uh, pretty rare. It's a pretty rare sale to, to sell the 8-inchers. I keep them in stock. I think I keep... I think the spreadsheet tells me to keep one or two sets in stock, but I, I think it's only one set. But it is remarkably uh, a remarkably slow seller. Okay, I will also give you a hint that bevels, uh, you know, are actually pretty rare. That's not a big surprise because uh, uh, if you're not rebuilding a machine tool, you probably don't need a bevel. By the way, go watch. Um, Woods Creek uh, Workshop, uh, my friend uh, Uchel, uh showed the use of my six-inch bevel stones on his rebuild project for his Cincinnati tool grinder. He is a really good work, workman and a real high-quality machinist. So go check out his channel, Woods Creek Workshop, and uh, Uchel uh, will show you the six-inch stones and a, a six-inch beveled stone in uh, in operation. The answer is six-inch rectangular stones are, in fact, the most popular PFG stones. And uh, let's see, MHM Machine Works, you win a cheeseburger. Congratulations. Uh, <clears throat> it, it's followed closely by four-inch rectangulars. And then four-inch minis. Paul Morley says, I'm toying around with the idea of putting steppers on my 618 grinder. That's a Harrig 618, I think. Uh, at least the table and the vertical axis. And my guess is four-inchers as well. Yep, uh, four-inch rectangular is number two. By the way, they're neck and neck. They really are. But... The six-inch, uh, I think, edged them out, at least recently. Chris says he's looking at a nice Harrig 612 with the fine downfeed option. Looks slightly used. So uh, my first grinder was the Harrig 612 without the fine downfeed, and it was a rack and pinion machine, which was considered somewhat inferior to the cable uh, drive on the table. It was an awesome grinder. And now, uh, Mr. Tim Mallard, also known as Ducky, he has my machine, and he's been enjoying it for, for a few years now. Uh, excellent choices. Um, good. I'm glad I remembered uh, to tell you to go watch uh, Wood, Wood Creek, Woods Creek Workshop, Uchel, on YouTube. Um, let's see. Where are we? We're doing great. So I don't have any particular plans for next week, but if you guys have any topics that you want to see covered or any guests that you want me to drag in kicking and screaming, please let me know and I will make that happen. The whole, uh, the whole guest, uh, technology has been thoroughly worked out and we're, we're really good. Oh, I have a question for the assembled masses. Uh, and that question has to do with discord. How many of you are familiar with Discord servers? Because I think we're going to be um, 
instantiating a Discord server for Kinetic Precision and for all you guys. Um, and that is coming whether I like it or not. <laughs> Seeing as I have in the family a Discord server expert. And we will uh, we will spin one up. Yeah. Uh, thumbs up. Yeah, don't forget to thumbs up the video. Exactly right. <laughs> Kevin says, okay, this is the best one. The battle, uh, so so Chris, let me just skip. The Battle Axe Project is is a, a background job, and, and we will absolutely get to it. Um, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, uh, we talked about battle axes and how to build a battle axe, and the idea came up with building a steel battle axe uh, sort of skeletally, but using carbide uh, inserts uh, as the business end of the battle axe, which I thought was pretty cool. So uh, no progress on the battle axes yet. Uh, Kevin Blodgett says, don't forget to depress the vertically oriented opposable digit button. <laughs> Absolutely. Do that. Paul Morley says yes to Discord. Okay, expect that. Almost machining. You came late and now you're asking questions? Yes, the, the titanium uh, went well and um, there'll be a video dropping all about the titanium project uh, today. Uh, Warren Jones says you've heard of Discord but sadly unfamiliar with it. You need to find yourself a teenager and have them teach you about Discord. It's actually pretty cool because it will cover, like if we have guests right now, I bring them in on uh, on Zoom, which is fine. But um, Discord has some really nice features and you know we can do file storage and all sorts of good stuff there. So more to follow. So uh, like I said, get, get yourself a teenager and have them give you a, a training session. It's not like it's hard. Jeff says, one thing I found out the hard way when drilling titanium is if it's a blind hole, you must immediately retract the drill at the end of the cut. Otherwise, it will work harden almost instantly. Yeah, a set dwell time equals zero, right? K-Bonk says, too many platforms, so little time. Warren has access to teenagers. I don't want any more details. I made my own. <laughs> awesome uh, I will I will close today with one little commentary here um, if you haven't done a full-fledged video edit uh, you you don't know what you're missing I'll tell you what you're missing you're missing spending hours of your life <laughs> uh, to make a one-hour video uh, as a beginner I'm a beginning editor I would say that I've spent over five hours making a one hour video and it is, it is a ton of work. So I have a lot of respect for the people that crank out YouTube videos. Value to value podcasting 2.0 is pretty cool. I don't know what that means. Is that the title of a podcast value to value? Do I have to write that down? I'm writing it down now. We will check it out. Speaking of which, this will be a podcast uh, every week. The audio portion of PFG Live will be a podcast, whether we have a guest or no guest, doesn't matter. 
So if you go to your favorite podcatcher and search on PFG Live, you will find the PFG Live podcast. It's up right now. There's about 15 episodes uh, already up, and I'm seeking your feedback. This will be up there too. Uh, That's all I've got. Um, If you don't have PFG stones, what are you even doing? Go to pfg.gg. If you need balancing rings, uh, you can go to bal.gg. And um, if you need a NAS for your uh, grinder, go to nas.gg. Or just go to kineticprecision.com and you can see all the stuff that I uh, make some nickels on and put back into, uh, into this. Also, if you go to the link in bio... Uh, and you can go to pfgstones.com slash links or pfg.gg slash links. Uh, I think the latter is the preferred way. Um, you will find my Amazon affiliate links of stuff that I actually buy and actually use and actually like. So take care, everyone. Have an awesome Sunday. We'll see you guys next week. Uh, again, you can shoot me an email. You can send me messages on Instagram and let me know uh, topics or guests that you would like to see. We'll put them in the queue. K-Bonk says it's 38 and sunny, but still cold in the Philadelphia. And we're still holding at 34 degrees here in the Southern New Hampshire. Have a great week guys. And, uh, keep all 10, please take care.